Welcome to another episode of Exploring Art Podcast, a Florida International University student podcast for the creative curious. I'm your host, Danny Alvarado. I am very pleased to have Natalia and Maria on the panel. Welcome to Exploring Art Podcast. Hi, Danny. Hi, guys. It's a pleasure. All right. So first, I'm going to describe our case study. Um, here is what it is. It is on a pile of bricks, and it's the following. Consider the following possibility. Based on an exhibit at the Tate Gallery in 1976, a person already known, perhaps even famous, as a minimalist sculpture buys 120 bricks and, on the floor of a well-known art museum, arranges them in a rectangular pile, two bricks high, six across, and ten lengthwise. He labels it pile of bricks. Across town, a bricklayer's assistant at a building site takes 120 bricks of the very same kind and arranges them in the very same way, wholly unaware of what happened in the museum. He is just a tidy bricklayer's assistant. Can the first pile of bricks be a work of art while the second is not, even though the two piles are seemingly identical in all observable respects? Why or why not? First, before I have you guys comments, I'm just going to go over the origin of Pile of Bricks and in regards to who the artist was. Um, the Pile of Bricks was created by artist Carl Andre. Um, he, it was purchased by the Tate Gallery in 1976 for a whopping $12,000. And according to a newspaper article by the New York Times, Andre decided in the mid-1960s that the time had come to create a, quote, low sculpture. He bought himself 120 bricks and then arranged them as described in the case study. And he then sent the bricks back to the brickyard because no one came for his display. But in 1972... Um, people from the Tate Gallery saw a photograph of the bricks laid by Andre, and they offered to buy it for him. However, there was a problem since Andre already put back the bricks in a brickyard. So what he did is Andre found some new bricks, since the old brickyard had gone out of business, and sent them to, off to London in a crate, complete with directions for assembly. That is very interesting because Andre didn't even assemble it himself. I wanted to get your opinions on that. What do you guys think about that? Well, I I actually think that he did really good in getting $12,000. I apologize. He didn't even assemble it himself. That's interesting. Would you think that was worth the $12,000? Do you think Tate Gallery made the right decision so far of, of what we know so far? Of so far what we know, I'm pretty sure they got fooled. But... <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's I think it's all, you know, opinionated. Like the Tate Gallery is a gallery that's very focused on, especially with their Tate Modern branch, they focus a lot on contemporary art. And the problem with that is that you don't know what's gonna be famous or successful in a couple of years because obviously that's in the future. I think they made a proactive decision, although it is comical that he sent it unassembled. Hmm, interesting. So two different opinions. So <laughs> Let's go over the reason why did we he do this in the first place? 
So the bricks were described by the press as non-controversial bricks. They were described as tranquil, solid, innocent, but no more. Um, the audience for said gallery was pretty popular. It actually turned over hundreds of guests and people actually came to see this pile of bricks. Um, it was also reported that one visitor commented, I like them, they relax me. So that does tie into your point, Natalia. Maybe Tate Gallery actually had a reason for doing this. Maybe they knew it would create buzz. Maybe they actually thought of 12,000 as an investment towards their museum. Who knows? Next, I will go over the potential symbolism for this um, art gallery, for this art. Okay, so I wanted to go over and get your guys' opinion on what is considered art and what defines art. First, I want to go over some prominent people on the subject, and I will get your guys' opinion on it as well. So, um, someone by the name of George Dickey, a work defines art um, in a simple definition. He defines it as a work of art in the classatory sense, is an artifact, first off, and second off, is a set of the aspects of which has conferred upon it's the status of candidates for appreciation by some person or persons acting on behalf of a certain social institution. Now, that's a very wordy definition of it, but at the very least, George tries to find a tangible definition of what defines art. But I feel like a more lighthearted approach would be by Marcel Duchamp. Now, as you guys remember in our second task, we went over Marcel Duchamp and he did the artwork of simply hanging a snow shovel, one you find at any department mm -hmm. store, and he hung it on a string and had it displayed in a gallery. That mm -hmm. brings into the question of, is that art? Why or why not? And it was similar to our case study now with the pile of bricks. So I want to hear your guys' opinions about that. What would you guys consider art? Do you consider these works of art? Well, to be honest, I highly believe that it's not what the art is, it's the thought that's behind the art. So maybe, yes, Natalia, I would possibly agree with you on the first question in regards to if the tea gallery was ripped off or not. <laughs> but at the same time, when he first installed his art piece, he put in thought maybe... As I heard, he collected bricks from different buildings and that would project maybe urbanization and development of many city cities that he has been to. But to define art, um, as I said previously, I think it's mostly based on the thoughts and beliefs that the artist has while creating the piece. Thank you. Natalia, what I is completely I completely agree on what you said with the thought behind it. I don't think art is so much as the visual as in the, or the auditory, as in the feeling that it instills inside the viewer or the listener or the person that made the art. I believe it's all 
very emotional. It shouldn't be so much seen as like a physical thing. Mm-hmm. I, continuing on with what you said for Carl Andres, um, when he was getting the breaks and stuff, I believe Danny also said that he was trying to create a horizontal structure, was it? Or a low structure? Mm-hmm. Yes. I, so I find that very interesting. I hadn't thought about that until recently. How many sculptures have you seen that are low to the ground or like completely horizontal? So I think that I do believe it's art. Hmm. Interesting. Also to give um, a negative, um, one of negative opinion against the pile of bricks was also by Bernard Levin. He was a New York Times columnist for art. And he wrote in one of his articles that it was nothing more than a pile of bricks. According to him, he said, art is something that is fashioned from the mind and heart and experience and soul, and if necessary, body of the artist. I feel like that's a very rigid definition. If we're going into my opinion of what I think is considered art and what defines art, I simply define art as something that creates a conversation, something that has people talking, something that creates discussion. I think simply that is really what art is, because really, I believe art can be anything for being that's true actually what i what i just thought of is that most of art is maybe like a great part of marketing because if you project it as art it can be taken up as art if you see a pile of bricks on the sidewalk you would think anything of it but when it's inside mm-hmm. of a museum projected mm-hmm. as high-end great artwork i apologize then you pay money to see it and you actually put your thoughts as well into it as well as the artist Hmm. so i think you're absolutely right okay next we're going to transition to more of the history of it and more in regards to the tate gallery natalia if you wanted to take it off there Okay, so I think to fully understand what the Tate Gallery truly is, we have to go into the first and the original, the first donor. His name was um, Henry Tate, and he was actually a businessman in sugar. He was very, very prosperous, and he had a strong affinity for art. And in the year 1890, he um, donated 60 paintings to the National Gallery in petition of them making or to petition the creation of a new gallery at that time there was just not availability all around in the uk so he just wanted something more closer to the center to london so he could go and visit and people around him could also see however there was a lot of problems in creating this gallery and it was delayed about seven years and it was in 1897 that um, the prison site millbank in london became reopened as the new Tate Gallery, or what we now know as the Tate Gallery. Um, Unfortunately, this gallery was part of the National Gallery for quite a while. It wasn't until 1954, so almost a full century after its creation, that it became an individual institute. And then after its separation or annexation, um, it became known as the Tate Gallery officially, but it also delved into four different branches the two most common ones being Tate Britain and Tate Modern. Our piece that we're covering today, the pile of bricks, was actually 
displayed or bought by the Tate Gallery, um, but it was displayed in Tate Britain, which Tate Britain is one of the branches in which it talks about more pieces that are seen as traditional. Pieces such as Waterhouse Lady of Shallot and the Constable's Flatford Mill. Things that are pieces that are from about the 1500s until modern day. So there are still some modern and contemporary pieces, just not as much as there would be in Tate Modern. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that sounds great. I, I actually had no idea. And while researching the pile of bricks, I stumbled up upon an unknown artist who actually recreated Carl's creation of the pile of bricks and i actually found out that this creation was made in the early 2000s and it also represented the urbanization and redevelopment of cities and civilizations and i'm pretty sure that tate's gallery just wasn't able to notice that creation I'm sure if that uh, Tate Modern specifically had noticed that creation, I believe they would have definitely gone for it. As I mentioned before, Tate Modern is very inclined towards modern and contemporary pieces. Um, they just want to basically get ahead, you know, of the times, just get recognition for artists, not just in the UK, but international. Um, mm-hmm. Their main mission, not just for Tate Modern, but for Tate Gallery in general, as stated by the 1992 Museums and Galleries Act, is to increase the public's knowledge and understanding and appreciation of art. So even though they bought something that maybe could have provided them profit, as Danny said, there was a lot of patronage to the the museums in order to see this pile of bricks. I believe Mm -hmm. they genuinely just wanted to inform the public or show the public that Anything can be art. It's all about the feelings that are created by them, not just mm-hmm. like something that's physically appealing or auditorily beautiful. You understand? Yeah, yeah of course, I agree. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Danny, what do you think about the museum itself and its goals? Hmm. I would think that aligns with their purchase because that does make sense if they're into modern contemporary art. I would think that's on brand for them to want to buy that. And I mean, as we all know, modern art is definitely more controversial than, you know, you'd say classics like Picasso or something like that. Mm-hmm. I would think that that would be on brand. As I remember, there's this one painting I read about how it was just a uh, white canvas, but that the artists use like a specific shade of white. And that created a bunch of buzz on the internet. And then another artist who like hung up a half rotten banana just on a string and then called it art. So I feel like mm-hmm. this is all very modern and contemporary. And I feel like it's all trying to accomplish the same thing. They're all trying to create buzz. They're all trying to talk about, they're all trying to create a discussion. And it almost ties into how nowadays when we have social media and how it seems like a lot of people are trying to be more influential and trying to get followers and trying to be more influencers. It makes me wonder, um, are all of these modernist artists really just doing this for the buzz? Are they doing it for that? Or are they actually trying to create art? Are they actually trying to make a point? Or is it really just to gain followers or just to create a quick, to make a quick buck? 
I want to hear your guys' thoughts on that. What do you guys think? Well, to make a comment on influence, influencing part of the art, I believe it all depends on the artist because I'm pretty sure that more than half of the so-called artists are creating that just for more followers, as you said. But I believe that there are same and if you can say that that there are true artists that are trying to express their feelings nowadays but in such creative way that it's just not so understandable to everyone and we all can make assumptions what about you natalia what do you think that was a really interesting tie-in actually i had considered it briefly but um, I do believe it does a lot to do with motive and people's greed may surpass their true desire in maybe informing the public of things that they may be interested in. So, for example, photography is a great um, pathway of art. I'm not sure how else to say that, but people such as influencers may sometimes take their passions in photography as a way of branding or a way of furthering themselves in the public eye instead of maybe portraying something such as maybe photographing a pile of bricks and claiming that is art so i think it is very interesting mm -hmm. and tying back to something i said earlier that maybe most of art nowadays is tied to marketing pretty well such in fact many very I want to say great artists are not seen just because they don't speak and don't show their art enough. And sometimes we do get rotten bananas on the stream, unfortunately. It's a great point. Yeah. But I also believe maybe they just don't have equal opportunities with the influencers. They tend to take up more, how would you say space on social media platforms? You typically see more posts from influencers than you do from aspiring artists. So even though mm -hmm. they may have the platform and the availability, they may not have equal chance, I would say, mm -hmm. as to, to demonstrate their true art. Yeah, I definitely agree on that. It's actually very sad to see to some point. But at the same time, the it's kind of... I want to tie it to... I'm so sorry. I don't know how to say it right. But I wanted to tie it to um, the natural selection, maybe, of artists. Whoever's the strongest, whoever's the smartest, and they will get their art to the best museums and to as many people as possible. That's really interesting. Um, a lot of artists that we admire now actually were not admired during their time, which I believe is also why maybe the Tate Museum or the Tate Gallery bought Pilot Briggs. It's more of a raffle, I would say. It's more more of a raffle instead of a Darwinism concept. But that is a really good way to put it. Mm -hmm. I agree. That's a very interesting perspective from both of you guys. Thank you for providing all of your opinions. It was very interesting to hear. I wanted to wrap up this discussion um, and say... Um, I want to thank you for joining us so much today, um, Maria and Natalia. I really appreciate it. This concludes the Exploring Art Podcast. 
Subscribe to our Exploring Art podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please join us soon and remember to stay curious. 